Hey, hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Davis Accord State Farm Studio Legal Gambling Council Week 7. The season is flying by. The Rebels are headed to Knoxville, 13th in the country, to take on the Tennessee Volunteers Saturday evening. Before we get to that, and I welcome in the Legal Gambling Council. I do want to remind you of the sponsors that make the show possible. I mentioned we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studio. He is your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Show also brought to you by Sola on South Lamar. Chef Erica and the folks over there, top-notch cuisine, libations, six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and much more. They are bringing the best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com, or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Show is also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year' podcast. Go over there and see Greg and the folks at 2008 University Avenue across from Kroger, and they will hook it up with the best protein for your Ole Miss grilling needs. And if you do so, and you mention that you listen to the show, you mention that you read Red Cup, or you uh, listen to any episode of Podcast Rebellion, Greg and them will hit you up with the Podcast Rebellion Perk. That's a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for $20. That's the best dinner meal in town, I am convinced. Probably can feed up to four people with that. 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of in-house prepared sausage for $20. And all you got to do is tell them that you listen to the show. That's LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, across the street from Kroger, Don't go over there to K. Roger. Don't bother with them. Head on over to LB's for all of your grilling needs. Gentlemen, week six was uh, quite the doozy. Um, That is back-to-back stinkers for the LGC, but we are here in week seven to uh, right all of our wrongs. How are we doing this evening? This this three and nine bad or something? I'm I'm confused. Considering, I think I'm over my last nine. I'm not sure. I need to look at the sheets. Uh, nope, you're two for your last 12. There you go. That's even worse. <laughs> One for my last nine. Um, two for my last 12 after starting like, on green. I think that's harder to do than going like nine and one. We just I think it yourself. is too. That's it's really think, actually impressive, seriously. It, you know, yeah. in golf, they say the shank is the closest thing to a perfect shot. So, yeah. you know, oh, I'm maybe that's what I've got right now. Ben is Hazel adjacent right now. Yes, hitting chili peppers up Lee Jansen's ass. <laughs> hey, only guy on the show to play stream songs, so you've got us there. Um, yeah, true. Austin, how are we this evening? Doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, like I said, we're, we're feeling bumps and bruises a little bit here. Um, two rough weeks. Got to get back in the saddle, though. It's, it's Get Better Thursday. Now, Austin's being modest because Austin – Went two and one, two weeks – or three weeks, four weeks in a row. And then had a one and two slide last week. Tough. I, I mean, I don't know if Stanford Steve and, and SVP hit you up on the show for bad beats. But, man, Michigan-Nebraska under was that, – that was just stupid. That, that's not even yeah. a bad beat. That was just dumb. 
Yeah, the thirteen nothing at half, and then it turns into an absolute track meet in the second half, as everybody expected in a game between Nebraska and Michigan. Um, yeah, that yeah. there's no way we could have handicapped that. That's one of those you just flush and move on from. Yeah, I, I should have seen it coming, guys. I should have, I should have flipped the pick. Um, should have gone Florida State plus seventeen and a half, as Mac Brown is still winless against his alma mater. Um, UNC let me down, but I still got. Kentucky minus three, which might have been the lock of the century, um, looking back on it. And then Iowa minus one and a half and probably the second best game of week six behind Ole Miss and um, and Arkansas. Um, I guess Alabama a ms up there. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But um, all right, let's go ahead and jump in here. Um, couple, uh, couple decent ones on Friday, um, 6 p.m. ESPN, Clemson. At Syracuse, we've got Syracuse catching 13 and a half. The total is 45. What are we feeling here? Oh, man, this one is going to be an absolute Friday night barn burner. 45, that's such a low, low total in a Clemson game. But, I mean, it kind of feels dead on. It just kind of feels like this one's going to be 24-20. 28-21, I mean, I guess maybe a slide over. Though if you told me it was like 19-12, to 12, I wouldn't be shocked at that either. I mean, this Clemson team is just all over the place. I, Not good. I, yeah, I feel like, though, you've got to lay the – you've got to take those points if if it's such a low total like that. I mean, unless they're expecting Clemson to get shut out – or excuse me, Syracuse to get shut out, then, you know, you're getting almost two touchdowns if – by some chance, you were able to get a full two touchdowns. You have to take the points. I'm, I'm with so, you there. I was just going to – got some nuggets here real quick, Ben. Um, I'll throw out the statistics here because I'm going to tail Nick. I'm going to take the points. Um, going back to the 2019 National Championship game, Clemson is 5-13 and 13 against the spread, and they failed to cover each of its last six games. In those six games, Clemson is three and three with a win over FCS South Carolina State, a six-point home win over Georgia Tech as a twenty-seven and a half point favorite, and a six-point home win over Boston College as a fifteen-point favorite. I think that this just the game stinks. I'm taking the points, and I would take the over as well. I could see a fourteen-point win for Clemson where it's like thirty-four twenty, and uh, you get you, you you get over the total pretty easily here. So the uh, um, the media or the AP or whoever coaches uh, apparently did not view that Boston College win uh, kindly. Clemson was 25th when they beat Boston College by six, fell out of the rankings. Mm. Um, you know, they've not <laughs> – they have not uh, scored. You hate, you hate to see it. I know. Okay, so here are their total points scored this year. They scored three against Georgia. 14 against Georgia Tech, 21 against uh, NC State, and 19 against Boston College. We'll throw South Carolina State out. Uh, that was, but that was just 49. This is not your normal Clemson team. I'm not so sure that the under isn't the play here. I'm going to take the points as well on a Friday night. I mean, I don't think Syracuse is very good, but this Clemson team is reeling, and they do need a get-right game, but I just don't, I don't like a Friday night on the road to do that in the carrier dome or wherever they're playing. 
So I'm going to take the points as well and, and kind of lean towards taking the under. You think? I, so my only pause for that under there. No, I really is, is that Syracuse can score some points. They can, but, but Clemson's defense is good. I mean, they are still good. It's the Clemson's tr- it's just it's the opposite of Ole Miss. It, we don't have problem scoring points. Clemson really doesn't have a lot of problems stopping people. I mean, yeah, they they only scored nineteen against Boston College, but still won. They scored fourteen against Georgia Tech, still won. You know, they got they scored three against Georgia, and Georgia took a defensive touchdown to beat them 10-3. So their defense and their front seven is still. I mean, they got several first rounders on there. The NC State game, let's, you know, that's the one where they took a loss and probably in a normal year where their non-conference opponent is not an SEC opponent like Georgia, who's probably the best team in the country now, likely the best team in the country. That would be the game that Clemson would have slipped up and lost, kind of like Alabama doing against A&M, and then they kind of get back on track. The deal is here, they're just not scoring enough points for me to feel comfortable taking the over. I mean, maybe that's a sharp line. Either way, I would take the points to Syracuse. Okay. So, Ben's one and nine is pretty impressive uh, against the spread over the last three weeks, but that's not nearly as impressive as Dabo's 0 and 5 against the spread with this roster full of blue chips all over the place on both sides of the ball. A team that was expected to contend for the national title this year has not covered a single spread, including against South Carolina state. They laid 50 in that game and didn't cover. Um, I don't know how you can lay 14 with Clemson against anybody, but particularly against a competent power five team an ACC rival who has beaten Clemson during their, you know, incredible run over the last few years. Syracuse got them on a Friday night, just uh, what, four years ago in 2017 in the Dome. Um, I don't think Syracuse is going to win outright this time. Clemson has had a bye. Um, you think they would be a little healthier with the off week, although they've still got some guys out for the year. Um, this is not the Dino Babers team or Syracuse team of years past where they're putting up you know, points in bunches here. They kind of control the clock now using Garrett Schrader, a name that we, we should all uh, be familiar with, and they lean on their running game. So I think they can play keep away from Clemson enough to stay within the number. I think I agree with everybody here. I, there's no way you can lay 14 or 13 and a half with Clemson. Feels like an under game. Wouldn't shock me at all, though, if it's within a touchdown late in the fourth. So, I, yeah, uh, I mean, Go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I saw a graphic today. Clemson, now some of them are injured. Some of them are out for the year. Some of them are in the portal. I saw a graphic today. Clemson has 10 five-stars on their roster and 40 four-stars. Oh. And they're virtually Hardly out of the running for the ACC now. The Yeah. I mean, what is the uh, money line for Syracuse at plus 13 and a half? Mm. Is it like 500? Or better, four twenty, four twenty-five. There's, mm. there's some value there for like yeah. a twenty-five dollar bet. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't mean, hate that. I mean, it's. Oh yeah, you're looking at what, one hundred and six dollars. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think that if it's a one-score game, Syracuse has just as much chance to win it as Clemson does. Yeah, it's it's getting close to. I mean, they're still going to be fine because they recruit so well and they'll bounce back. DJ Uyunglele is young, so they still have him around. But 
this season, it's Kenny Loggins time for sure there. It's, it's danger zone. Um, all right, moving on to the other notable Friday night game on ESPN. After that one wraps up Cal at Oregon. Cal has just been bad and Oregon is still top 10. Um, but Oregon has failed to cover each of its last seven games as a favorite, losing three of the last five Pac-12 games in which they were favored. The Ducks lost 21-17 to Cal um, a year ago as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I still like Mario Cristobal in Oregon as a legitimate top 10, top 15 program. I think he's done a phenomenal job there. He's recruiting at an incredibly high level. I don't believe in them here, though, in terms of covering the number just because of the lack of passing game that they have. Um, I just I do not feel comfortable laying 13 and a half. I like Cal to cover just because I know they're going to play defense and the totals at 54. That's not a ton. I'd probably hit the over as well. Oregon wins it, but extremely Corso voice closer than the experts think. You, th- you think this one's going to be – you're taking the points then? Yes. I don't see it. I just uh, – Oregon's got to be uh, – they got to be hot on the trail if they want to have any shot of getting the playoff. I would – I'm laying those points. I don't, I'm still just not really sure where Cal is as a program. I feel like that's just like a team that just sort of middles between like five and seven and seven five every single year. They're just kind of always there but never going upward. Yeah, I'm taking Oregon, though I will say it's much more tempting once it got under that key number 14. Cal gets spunky when they're in the central time zone for an 11 a.m. kick against a Rich Rodriguez offense. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, no doubt. I would say Cal's kind of kept it close this year. I mean, you know, even though they're, what, one and four, they lost by seven to Washington. You know, they did get beat by two touchdowns to Washington State. Look, my, I, I'm with Nick here, though. I'm going to lay the points. It's at, at Oregon at night. I think that – I mean, there's just too much going – Oregon's coming off a bye week and a loss to Stanford. I mean, they really have no room for error here. It's a little sharp for me simply because, I, you know, Cal kind of had their number last year. I think Oregon ultimately pulls away late. I don't know that it gets out of hand like a 28-point win. I think you might have to sweat a little bit, but I would lay the points. I'm with uh, Ben and Nick here. I, you got to lay them, but I'm not eager to bet this in real life. Uh, Oregon's without C.J. Verdell, who's gone down, I think, for the rest of the year with an ACL. or I know it's a season-ending in, injury. But, yeah, so last week or last time out, Oregon struggled. But they also didn't have Joe Moorhead, who was, I think, hospitalized with an illness. I think he's expected oh, to be right. back this week. So, um yeah, under t- two touchdowns, I think you got to lay them. Oregon's goals are still in front of them. They're still just a one-loss team, even though you know they haven't looked extremely impressive since that Ohio State win. But they can still win the Pac-12 and still, you know, they have an outside shot. I think I think at this point to get into the playoff uh, by just winning out. So they have everything to play for coming off of a bye, getting their offensive coordinator back, and um, off of a loss. I, I think all signs point to Oregon. Again, not a bet I would make in real life. But I'd lay the 13 and a half here. All right. That is going to do it. There are other Friday games, so we're not going to touch on those. Heading into Saturday, SEC, 11 a.m. CBS, 
could not tell you who is doing this game if you had a gun to my head because it's the B game for CBS, so who cares? Auburn traveling to Fable. I feel we don't say that enough. Number 17, Arkansas, taking on the Auburn Tigers, coming off the shellacking at the hands of Georgia. Arkansas obviously lost to Ole Miss in dramatic fashion a week ago. I really like Arkansas here. I feel like they really impressed me last week. Um, they play physical. Um, look, all the all the stuff we said about KJ Jefferson, I don't know if he listened to the podcast and was motivated. Maybe it had something to do with him being from uh, from Sardis, Mississippi. In case you didn't know, um, they might have said it on the telecast a couple times. But um, I just think the Hogs are, are, are a good team. And I don't really know what to make of Auburn yet. They're still kind of a mystery to me. Um, in the in the weirdest turn here, uh, both teams gave up 86 points last week. Um, but I, I think that the Arkansas defense is going to be feisty. They're going to really get after Bo Nix. Um, Arkansas averages 244 yards per game on the ground. They really ran all over Ole Miss last week, which isn't saying much, but um, – I like the under here, and I like Arkansas to win. And the line, I haven't set it yet. Bear with me. Um, I believe, seeing, yeah, four, four and a half. I'm seeing four and four and a half. Yeah, whatever. I'm laying I it. I think – okay, I was going to say Auburn covers, but Arkansas wins. Uh, no, I'm locking it in, if you guys don't mind. Mm. I, I get it. It's off of a crushing defeat last week, but I, it's in Fayetteville. I still don't – I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to love about this Auburn team. I, mean, I really have no idea other than what they did, I guess, down in Baton Rouge. I guess a team that is, at this point, a shell of itself uh, in LSU. So, yeah, I'm laying the points. Uh, they showed me a little bit last week on offense. I get it. It was against a pretty bad defense and and one that is, is pretty much lost in all phases, it seems like. But, I, I, I again, I just don't exactly know what Auburn's supposed to be great at. And I think that – that Arkansas is kind of coming along, and I think they will be very pleased to no longer be facing Georgia's offense and defense and Ole Miss's offense, and they're going to take it out on Auburn. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that. That is a spicy lock. I love like, it. I agree. I, I'd lock I agree. it in at five. It's, I'd lock it in at six and a half. Oh, I don't want to. I'm going to take four. But I think I, I just think I just think Auburn really muddies this one up and makes it a rock fight. I like Arkansas to win, but now that I've heard you say that, I don't hate it. Um, I, I'm a little bit more indifferent here and really think this line is sharp. Listen, Arkansas is coming off of – where did they play before Georgia? I, mm, I was trying to think them, if right? they – Yeah. They've yeah. been yeah. on Dallas, three straight on the weeks. They had to play against A&M, who's got a – we saw – I mean, they've, they're really good on the front seven. Then they played against Georgia. Potentially the best defense in college football history other than the 1959 Ole Miss Rebels. And then they've got the – then they go to Oxford and, and get pushed almost to overtime before ultimately losing. I mean, if they had – Sam Pittman is a master motivator if he can get them back for them to cover this line of four and a half. Auburn – um, is st- I mean, they're still going to have a lot of talent. 
I, I don't love Bo Nix either. And frankly, Arkansas is not that bad on the back end on defense, even though, you know, Matt Corral kind of best Matt Corral. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I don't know where Arkansas really wins a lot of matchups on offense. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody is talking about how, quote unquote, dynamic they are, complete they are on offense. Maybe that's just a little bit saying a little bit more about what Ole Miss is like on defense rather than what Arkansas is like on offense. K.J. Jefferson is not nearly accurate enough for me to ever lay four and a half in an SEC game against an opponent not named, you know, not in that bottom quadrant of Missouri, Kentucky, um, every now or Vanderbilt, every now and then South Carolina, sometimes Ole Miss, sometimes Mississippi State. Uh, so uh, the point being is I, I just don't – I'm not comfortable enough in K.J. Jefferson covering a four-and-a-half-point line at home. I mean, that dude missed receivers the other day by 25 yards. You may want to tell like me he, what Arkansas is against the spread this year. I'm sure it's they're they're undefeated against they're it. They're four and one. Uh, they're four in Georgia. Four in Georgia. <laughs> okay. That's really good. I mean, that, it is. I just I, – what I saw out of Arkansas the other day was more about what we saw out of Ole Miss's – Defensive uh, play calling. That's fair. And 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 you know, I think Auburn. We not. What have all? What do we always say about Auburn? Especially me. Dude, their front. I mean, it may not look like it normally does right now, but their front seven is never going to be like what we see every Saturday. I mean, they they run athletes out there like real ones, grown men, Carl Lawson types. And and I, not saying that he's over there this year. I just I don't see. They're gonna. They're going to pressure KJ Jefferson. They're going to. And I'm with Zach. Arkansas may win. I just think. I mean, I think it's narrow, narrow, squeaking it out win. Yeah, I tend to agree, Ben. I don't think there's much margin for error here, uh, Nick, on your side. I think Arkansas has to play pretty flawless football, and I don't know that I trust them to do it after three three weeks of, of getting up against their opponents and, you know, getting their, their heart tripped out last week after playing a physical game against Georgia and then a really emotional game against A&M two weeks prior. Um, we often do the compare the line game. So, so Georgia was 17 against Arkansas and they were roughly 17 against Auburn, but those final scores told a much different story. I mean, they shut Arkansas out 37 nothing. right? The score against Auburn was a lot closer, and Auburn's defense appears to have acquitted themselves pretty well against Georgia's offense. I didn't get to watch much of this game. I'm just looking at the box score here. They also lost Smoke Monday, I think, in the first half of that game, maybe their best defensive player early on in the game. Um, you look what at a box, name, too. Like, yeah. all-time name. Yeah, all-time name, sure. Like you said, Ben, Auburn's got players in the front seven. They have a hell of a lot more players than Ole Miss has in the front seven. I don't know that Arkansas can line up and impose impose their will at the line of scrimmage against this Auburn team at all. And if they can't, then you're counting on K.J. Jefferson to win the game. Now, when he has all day to throw the ball up for Burks to go get it, you know, he can be successful. I just don't think that's going to happen against Auburn. Um, I give the nod maybe to Arkansas just for home field advantage here. That's always a funky road trip for virtually everybody else in the SEC to go up to Fayetteville. But four and a half is across two key numbers. And what I expect to be a pretty low-scoring game here, I kind of lean points. I'll be rooting for you, Nick. But um, like Ben said initially, this is a, that's a spicy-ass pick for a lot. <laughs> I mean, look, look. And the, the way I'm going, though, it'll be – I mean, Arkansas will be up 45 to nothing at halftime. Yeah, y'all seen the way I, I pick games. <laughs> y'all seen my last few picks? I got to do something. 
<laughs> I gotta get no, I like side. it. I mean, I think we should we should be required to have like one spicy SEC pick a, yeah. a week. And let me say this I mean, too, because like, I, I, we've we've piled on the kid. I have especially KJ Jefferson is improving. Now he's still not in he, the upper half of like SEC passing quarterbacks, but they have built their offense offense around his skill set. You know, and Browse does a great job of calling the game um, to his strengths. So. You know, again, I, I wouldn't want it to be a shootout if I'm Arkansas and have to rely on KJ to go up and down the field because Auburn's defense is not on misses. But if they can get it, you know, into a rock fight and 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 move the ball effectively, you know, by, by running the ball uh, and using some zone read, letting KJ get involved in the run game, Arkansas can certainly win the game. Like Ben said, I, I'm, I'm not counting Arkansas out. Just laying that four and a half, I, I'm not really eager to do that. All right, it is, uh, it is an 11 a.m. free-for-all in the SEC this week. On ESPN, right after college game day, number 20, Florida travels to Death Valley. Man, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> Get on there has never this. been a more boring Florida LSU Are they going to have enough players, up. LSU, by the time the game gets here? <laughs> Man, it is. Brutal. They've got guys just like um, quitting, don't they? They're not even like saying this guy's hurt. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. Like, they're not. Like, they're not specifying injuries. Yeah, um, like when I quit. Well, they, they're, they're having guys. They're having guys be out for the season that that did not have injuries last week. Like yeah. multiple I mean, guys is, that played what are we at all now? four quarters. We got, we got two starting defensive ends, two starting corners out. Kayshawn Boutte's out. Um, Florida's. Giving eleven and a half here, I I'm inclined to lay them. I think it this opened is a game. At three and a half. By the way, yeah, yeah. I think this is one where Crazy. Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen is going to grab this one by the throat and try to really make a statement. Even though it's not a great LSU team, he's going to try to get as much cachet as he can before the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which is just going to be. I don't even know what to think about that one yet. We'll we'll get to that one when we when we get there. Um, the total is fifty nine and a half. I, I think it goes over fairly easily. I, I maybe LSU gets a little spunky and scores a little bit, but I think Florida wins this one handed handedly. Do you, do you um, think this one goes over? I, I'm where where are the points coming from? I guess I, I think Florida's defense what, I is just, still. I mean, thirty eight seventeen doesn't hit the over in this game. <laughs> And I don't I mean, see. I, I can see like a thirty-eight twenty. Like LSU gets some kind of garbage bullshit touchdown at the end. Wait, what did you I say the other was? Fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. Still doesn't get it. I just don't think. I just man. Okay, forty-one twenty. Whatever. I see what you're um, saying, but I just don't. I mean, I don't know that LSU is going to score twenty, and and then you're asking you're asking Florida to put up forty-five plus, pretty much to get it at that point. I don't know. I, I, mean, I like what you're saying about laying them, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU's just I was, not good, and they're banged I'm up. I'm going to interject and, here. I'm locking in 11 and a half. Okay. Wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay – there's a spicy pick for you. I'm going to lay 11 and a half from Florida. Um, and I'm not – go ahead, Zach. You, I'm not going to add analysis to this game. Ed Orgeron is still the coach in Baton Rouge, and he's not going to be next Monday. He's dead so, walking. I, yeah, I mean, so, like, I lay the points because as soon as Florida – Scores one touchdown or t- goes up two scores, LSU's going to go to sleep. I just, gonna, the fans are going to be booing them. Go ahead. My kingdom, like, 
everything in my kingdom for him to make it to the Ole Miss game and they fire his ass in the Turner Center parking lot. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see the crowd this weekend because y'all know what Florida does when they leave like Gainesville. They don't bring people mm. at all. I mean, they've played in the Sugar Bowl before, didn't have it about eight thousand fans there. I mean, it's it's brutal. Bad they fan won't. base. They're an ACC school. I mean, no offense oh. to them, but, oh, but from a fan base perspective, that's what they are. They're a tenth of the fan base that Florida State is in terms of traveling. Just be oh, honest. Sure. For sure. They, yeah. we, we got we got the ACC school, and the ACC got the SEC school. That's that exactly scenario. right. It really did. But so there's going to be – I mean, we're talking 4,000 tops Florida fans there. And I saw what they had in that last home game versus Auburn, who I know brought some folks. There were a ton of empty seats. This is 11 o'clock kick. So you're telling me these folks have got to leave the, you know, what is it, the parade grounds at, at 1030 to get in there into the stadium in time? They're not doing it, man. 11 o'clock, I, I will tell you this, nothing brought me as much joy as when I saw it flash on, on Twitter that this game was at 11 a.m. LSU fans hate it, and they have been coddled by the SEC for years in terms of their game times. I mean, they've gotten crap game after crap game after crap game on ESPN at 6 or 8 o'clock at night because they're LSU. Meanwhile, Ole Miss is out here playing a top 15 team in Arkansas at 11 a.m. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm just, it brings me so much joy that they're going to get their freaking teeth kicked in by Florida in front of about 22,000 empty seats at 11 a.m. For brunch. I love it. Brunch in it's Death Valley. They've been coddled all the way through stealing money from children's cancer hospitals. Exactly. It never rains. The injury tent is sponsored by them. It never Mm -hmm. rains mimosas in Death Valley. I just cannot wait. (laughs) But it's just just, that crazy crazy culture, man. Those occasions. They're just just fun. It's good food, spicy. I just got Oh, man, you know, just just stirring gumbo with a shovel, baby. It knows how to pebble the gumbo. All, all you have to do is all, 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 after after something about LSU and everyone just laughs and moves on. Yeah, it's but fine. Neck hits different at eleven forty-five a.m. I hope the Florida pet band plays it. it let me ask oh, you: Can y'all imagine how much better Saturday would have been had Ole Miss Arkansas been at six p.m.? Oh, because that was the best eleven a.m. crowd we've ever had, without a doubt. Oh, the crowd was electric. That's probably For, the best. And it was hot since twenty sixteen yeah, Georgia. Hot. Yeah, and I think it was – and the only reason 2016 Georgia was great was because we just crushed them. Like, that was – But that crowd you know, was solid, though. No, no, yeah, yeah it was it great. Was it was but, great. But but last Saturday was better than that one. It yeah. was. It, for an 11 a.m. – I cannot imagine if that game had been 6 o'clock, it would have been so hype in that place. Oh. I mean, because it was loud when that ball dropped on, uh, at the end of the game. To win. It was. It's as loud was. as I oh. may have ever heard it. That was as, that was close to being as loud as, as left foot down. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. Ben Sanders catching that touchdown in that game. Uh, yeah. Also, just real quick before we move on, we'll just we'll reminisce one more second. Well, we got to let mm. Austin talk about it. Well, really, really quick. It, when's the last time Ole Miss won on the last play of the game in Oxford? I don't – other than, okay, Ritter against LSU, I just feel like it, it never happens. What am I – am I missing another – well, Sinquez, one foot down. That, that's that's about it. That's really. about as close. Years. As, yeah. yeah, but it, it other Those than are... okay, but if that wasn't technically we we yeah we still had to snap the ball. We kneeled on it. Yeah, I, yeah. Can y'all think of any other times? I can't. Th- I just was thinking about 
how often we've lost on you know at the very last second and mm-hmm. i mean jacksonville state comes to mind immediately yeah. but i just feel like we don't see Arkansas it that to often. Run the same play as, as jacksonville state yeah I don't recall you anything know, about that game. Well, I'm surprised that they didn't slip like a tight end or one of those, not to get into the technicalities that play, but if you're not going to run the quarterback power like they should have, like everybody yeah. in the stadium thinks they should have, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you slip a tight end or a receiver across the other side of the field? So when you roll Jefferson right and the defense naturally Rolls drifts right. yeah, to that yeah. side, then he just throws so, it back across the field with a, to a guy standing there. That guy's always wide open. Mm-hmm. He is always I, wide open. So I've rewatched it four or five times, and then we'll let Austin pick this one. I think the initial play was a shovel pass. Yeah, I do too. And they sniffed it out. Can you imagine running a shovel pass on the two-yard line? That's so line? aggressive. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where like, if, it, if it works, you look there. like a genius, but if it doesn't, you look like a – I mean – if it doesn't, I mean, it happened. I mean, it wasn't open, and KJ Jefferson freaked out. So, all right, All right sorry about sorry about the bad off off the radar here. Yeah. No, Please no, no, LSU. I don't have uh, I don't have a lot to add. I like Ben's uh, Florida pick here with laying eleven. I think that's easy money. Dan Mullen is going to go in on this LSU team. They owe LSU after the shoe game last year, where the Florida kid throws the cleat at the end of the fourth quarter, and they get the personal foul, and LSU kicks a long field goal to win the game. So Florida's been thinking about that for a year. Mullen is going to be petty as hell in this one and run it up. I think the under cashes too, and I considered locking it. I think Nick mentioned that. I mean, Florida's only allowing 17 points per game here, and they've played a pretty tough schedule. You know, They're I, I don't know they defensively. Had, yeah, they had Vandy last week, but obviously before that, they had Bama and, you know, look. Their lines of scrimmage are really good, and I think they're going to dominate LSU, who's going to be missing a first-round pick at corner, a first-round pick at wide receiver, probably their best pass rusher, maybe their best offensive lineman, and I think a backup defensive back is also out. So, like, how's LSU scoring here? I don't, yeah. I don't see it. So, you know, short of Mullen getting to fifty himself, which is possible. I think this goes way under. I think it's like 38-13 Florida. Yeah. I love everything about that. Mostly because we all have LSU losing. So that's always great. Another I mean, I don't 11 think there's any chance that they win other than the fact that we're no. talking about college football players. Right. Yeah, no. Another 11 a.m. doozy on SEC Network. Number 21 Texas A&M coming down from the heavens. Going to Columbia, Missouri. Um, I mean, this is obviously going to be some form of a letdown, but Missouri is just so bad. I I don't really know what to think. I mean, I think if you're going to do anything with this game, the total's 59 and a half. I think it'll go over. Um, I like AM to win here. I don't really know what to think about the spread, to be honest. Uh, Missouri can't stop anybody. I really anticipate either it's Spiller or Bay Chain or who, however you say his last name. Those two backs are two of the best in the conference. I think AM is just going to lean on the run game here and kind of, uh, you know, recharge their batteries after that huge win last week over Alabama. So I like, I like the Aggies here. I like the over. All right. I'm going to go again. 
And is Ben Woodhouse going to take two road favorites back to back for his locks? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm Ooh, taking boy. an AM minus eight and a half. Lock it in. This is an absolute massacre. I know that it's going to be a letdown after Alabama. Doesn't matter. Missouri's terrible against the run. They're abysmal against the run. And AM, you know what they can do? They can run the football and run in travels, and they're good up front on defense. Easy lock. I'm not sure about that total. I don't hate the over there, but I would probably. Uh, again, lean towards you. Yeah, I've been team unders all year, though, and I'm winning up for my last 10, like Austin said. So maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm going to lock in eight and a half. I think that this is an easy cover for AM, truly. I, I mean, I think Missouri is absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I love that because I think what um, Mike Elko is going to do with the blitz packages, they did enough to really make Bryce Young look like a freshman last week. I think they're really going to put the screws to Connor Bazelak. I don't understand this Missouri team. We were so wrong. Now, oh, I, I, I was the most wrong. Put it on a billboard. I was the most wrong person ever about this Missouri team. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think they were going to be like good, but I, I still thought they were, were going to win a lot of games just based on schedule. And not only have they not won games, they've gotten blown out a couple times. I mean, demolished, and then they gave up a ton of points. You know, on the road at Boston College, which. I, I mean, I guess BC was undefeated at the time and, and you know, have won some games, but it's still just the defense is, is pitiful. I don't know that they'll score on Texas A&M, though. I mean, Texas A&M played pretty poorly, I think, at times in the second half last week on defense and still got a lot of stops. So, I mean, if, if that's what Bryce Young and, you know, clearly better receivers than what Missouri has – you know, was still getting points on or was still getting stopped by Texas A&M, what's Missouri's offense going to do? I don't – this – I understand this spread is nine. I guess it's just in deference to what A&M did the first four weeks of the season as opposed to what they did last week. But, I mean, if you're catching this under ten points, take it away. I, I just don't see how Missouri sticks with them. Yeah, I think this is one of several games this week where – I think people are going to be tempted to buy into narratives about like intangibles and motivation and traps and all that stuff. And I'm not saying those angles don't matter in college football. As Ben said earlier, we're talking about 20 year olds and motivation does matter at this level. And there are only so many games that you can get the kids up for. So I'm not saying you should completely ignore that, but you also just have to look at the teams, the stats and the analytics. I I, I love this pick. Like, Mizzou's defense is terrible. They're not going to suddenly become better just because A&M beat Bama and maybe a little flat this week. Like, I think that stuff goes out the window after like the first quarter or the first half. Like most of the time in college football, the better team wins, right? There's no doubt here who the better team is. We've piled on Mizzou's defense because, you know, uh, justifiably so, they're terrible. But their offense isn't much better, by the way. They have like one SEC skill player. That's about it. Um quarterback has been pretty disappointing their offensive line has not looked good they don't have receivers and typically mizzou has a couple of quality sec receivers like you know second team third team type guys they usually have a good tight end that that's not there this year so i think mizzou's a bad team top to bottom like sneaky bad i don't think a&m has a problem at all maybe it's a little sleepy in the first half maybe they're a little lazy coming out of the gate but i think a&m can just smother them so anything under under double digit digits excuse me makes a lot of sense here like you know 28 10 a and m again it's not a not a huge blowout but you comfortably cover anything under that 10 
I mean, you know, they've just been in some barn burners this year with one and four North Texas, with Southeast Missouri State, mm-hmm. Central Michigan. I mean, the the least amount of points or lowest, however you want to call it, amount of points they've given up this season is to Central Michigan at twenty four. I, I mean, here's the here, Austin. You're exactly right about um, we're going to or about getting college kids up and, you know, 20 years old and that's just hard to do. And like, if they're not up, then another team can, can uh, jump up and scare you. That's only true if the teams are close in talent. Like in this case, that's not the, not going to happen. Like when Ole Miss went to Memphis and got beat in the Kim Dietschy year, 2015, Memphis had players that, that could exploit weaknesses on Ole Miss's team. Missouri has nobody that can do that on either side of the ball. Like, they don't have this really, really high-end pass rusher who's going to cause havoc for A&M or, or some really strong middle linebacker who's going to stop Spiller all game long, like a Patrick Willis. That guy's not on, on either side of the ball. They don't have Doriel Green Beckham or whatever his name was from 10 years ago or Chase Daniel. It's just not there. Like, I, I don't – I mean, this is 45 to 10 to me, 35 to 10, and only because A&M might slow down. Now, Jimbo is the king of not running the score up on people. I don't know that he's going to have a choice here because, you know, they're going they're going to get yards and bunches on the ground. I mean, I could see them averaging seven and a half yards of carry this game. Yeah, Jimbo may not throw the ball. Like they may just run it down Mizzou's throat all day and I don't see Mizzou stopping them. Yeah. I mean, the very best Mizzou I think they could do is like twenty seven to fourteen. I mean the very best outcome mm-hmm. for them. Hmm. Yeah, Ugh. gross one. They suck. I mean, yeah. no offense to them, but they suck. They do suck. All right, two thirty. This is a big one, um, just in name only, ranking only. Number eleven, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. CBS two thirty. Um, we're looking at minus twenty one and a half in favor of the Bulldogs. The total. It's 44 and a half. Um, Take the under. I don't know. Um, God, this one's, this one's bizarre. Um, Kentucky's. I'm going to interject again. I'm going to lock this one in as well. (laughs) Georgia lay the points. This is not a close game again. Like Kentucky's not very good. And Georgia is. They all they've got to do is roll the ball out there. And here's the thing: Is Georgia going to score less than 27 points against Kentucky? Bueller, maybe less than 28. Bueller, I mean, is I think is that's unlikely? Yeah. Is Kentucky going to score more than seven? Ooh, I saw their yes. team total was nine earlier today. Yeah, I mean, there's okay. So at nine points, Georgia's got to get to 31. Lay them, lock it in. All right, Kentucky is the first top 12 team to be an underdog of at least 23 points since UCLA in 2013 when the Bruins lost 42-14 as a 23-and-a-half point dog. (laughs) To who? It doesn't say. Prior to that, it had been 12 years since the top 12 team was this big of a dog when Washington – Lost sixty-five to seven as a twenty-six point dog to eventual national champion Miami. All right, Ooh. so so can I can I say another thing? Like the rankings not helping Kentucky here. 
because right. like Georgia would have. I mean, if we want to take the motivation route, which I really don't think that's anything at all, but if we want to go that way, that th- throw that out the window because Arkansas is just rolling right in there again, except they're wearing blue. Like this is a this is a blowout. I, I, I I'm beside myself that the score that it would even be twenty one and a half. I think I would probably lay them at twenty eight and a half. I mean, it's crazy. This is just a stupid line. You don't think Georgia might? I mean, they, they do play Florida. No, I don't. I don't because they don't have to. They don't have to throw the ball. Right, like, but they may just another... vanilla. I mean, Kentucky's not just going to get ran over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, yes, they are. They are. I, I, mean, I could see. I could see Georgia throwing it in neutral and winning twenty to seven. Mm, okay. That what's, is a spicy pick. I what's the what? over under again? <laughs> it is forty-four and a half. Uh, I mean, I no, I'm not. I'm not touching that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I could see it. I'm not saying I do see it. I'm saying I could see it. Hmm. All right, <laughs> Austin. Do you have any thoughts here? Just a couple things to consider. Kentucky is not coming into this game fully healthy. They're they have two starting defensive linemen who are going to be out, and I think mm. uh, one oh. offensive lineman who may be out. Um, and here's the other thing that supports Ben here: Kentucky hasn't topped 200 yards passing against an FBS team this oh. year. Uh, so that means they're a run-heavy team. Good luck against Georgia. I mean, I oh man, I don't know of a of a team in the country right now. I guess I would catch 21 and a half and take Ole Miss against Georgia because of the passing attack. I was trying to think of a team. I mean, Alabama, obviously, but take Alabama out of it. I, I think outside of the true playoff teams, I would I would lay 21 and a half against almost everybody in the country for Georgia right now. I mean, they're so good on defense, dude. They are. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean – and I'm not. I'm not saying they're as good as like 2019 uh, LSU or 2020 Bama, but it's hard to pick against what feels like the team of destiny in college football each year. You know what I mean? Like each year, college football, we have a team that is head and shoulders above yeah. virtually everybody they play. And when you stand in front of that train, like week after week after week, you're just going to go bankrupt. I think it might be Georgia this year. Their defense can carry them all the way to a championship. I mean, they don't even need to throw – like, they have a good enough running game to steamroll almost everybody they play, and their defense is going to hold most teams to under two touchdowns. So, you know, I just wouldn't be eager to bet against this Georgia team. All right. A couple that we can run through pretty quickly before we hit the break. Three o'clock SEC Network, uh, Vanderbilt at South Carolina. Um, it's we're in the upside down. We're we're literally behind <laughs> the bookshelf in Interstellar right now. Um, South Carolina is favored by eighteen and a half over Vandy. Um, mm. I'm by no means locking it in, but I will lay the points. I think Vanderbilt is absolutely terrible. South Carolina is going to at least have some dudes to do something. And Vanderbilt just sucks. So the total's 51. I would take the under, but yeah, Vandy sucks. So yeah. Go All right. Back. So, it, you know, if we want to stick with the motivation angle, 
South Carolina bowling is still possible here. You know, you beat Vandy, get to four wins. Then they've still got Missouri on the schedule. That's mm-hmm. five wins. And they host Auburn. I mean, you never know. But you, you got to look at it from the perspective of a college player. Everything is still kind of in front of South Carolina. They were never going to win the East anyway. Shit, they may I mean, be Clemson. Think, they may be Clemson. They may be Clemson. Yeah. At <laughs> home. This is a good year for them to do it. Seriously. So, I mean, it, I, I'm going to lay them too, Zach. That's a long way of me to say I agree with you completely. I think South Carolina takes care of Andy easily here. You can yeah, you I, I, imagine. I, I was just gonna say, can you imagine watching this game, like no, on purpose? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, well, I, I agree with Lane on. I mean, Vanderbilt is a special type. We'll, of we'll probably at least watch the first half somewhere in Knoxville. <sighs> Zach, I'm, I'm, Zach, Zach, I'm legally obligated to. <laughs> Bless you. At least find a place with a TV. Okay, I should say. And I don't, I and I don't even think my wife will pay attention. If you're a neutral. Could you imagine? No, then you're, you're then you're absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, like it, this is not even a sickos game. This is like a sickos game has the potential of like something crazy happening, which is this saying is just, something because the guy that's saying this is the guy that gambled on UConn UMass. Okay, and in fairness, uh, freaking UMass's quarterback was out. I didn't, I didn't have that information <laughs> when I made that bet on Thursday, but yeah, no, that that had the potential to be something. This doesn't. Vanderbilt's just trash. I, I mean. I understand that this is like, you know, Lee's first year and, and stuff, but it's so bad. You almost feel like they should just like fire him and try and start over again. I just, it, it, Look, can you, can you possibly be as bad as Vanderbilt is with, with the first year head coach and that coach go on to be something? I'm not sure. But they're not they have two wins. They yeah, won two Austin, go in this game. I have something to say. Yeah, I don't have any stats to back this up, but it feels like coaches in year one who are trying to build momentum for their program and like find some optimism when they get an opportunity to run it up against folks. I think they usually take advantage of that. At least I feel that way. South Carolina doesn't have the opportunity to run it up many times and and hasn't this year and, and won't with the rest of their schedule. This is one chance to like make a air quotes here statement against an SEC rival. I think South Carolina wins by like 30. I think it's like 35 to three or something. Like I, I think they go ham in this game just because they're not going to get the chance to do it against anybody else. Yeah. Um, real quick before we move on. Um, Candace Story Lee, the AD at Vandy, a huge fan of the show. Uh, Candace, I know you're going to listen to this at some point before Saturday. What you need to do is you need to fire Clark Lee and you need to go find you someone from a service academy. And Vanderbilt yes. needs to run the option. Oh, you need to just so make obnoxious. it just make it absolute fucking hell for people one week out of the year and just do it that way. That way you at exactly. least have some kind of out for when you lose where it's like, look, we're 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 just a gimmick. We run the flex bone. Zach, you remember that Ole Miss plays Vandy every year, right? Yeah, they Please would go stop. seven and five every year in this. Like, and they would beat Every like third year they'd beat Ole Miss. Yeah, please every, stop. Every third year they get like, sneak up and well, beat Georgia. They get a no. couple players hurt doing all those. <laughs> no, but Kiffin, but Kiffin's Kiffin's from California. He's got Samoan connections. He's got island connections. He can always have some kind of connection with Niamatololo where he can work on the option. So I'm not worried about that. <laughs> that that's what they should do, though. I mean, the truth. But I'm they, I'm serious. This isn't. It's a bit. not working. Like, that's what, what, they the, what they're doing. Do. No, you no, it's not a bit. I mean, you what, can't what, match up physically. You can't have the athletes that everybody else has because you're Vanderbilt. You need to do a gimmick. 
No, it's a it's a it is the correct move. They are an Ivy League school playing SEC football. I mean, it, for yeah. service academy, whatever you call it. I mean, they have like fifty percent better athletes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And and service academy is not including Texas AM because those are just boy scouts. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. It's a citadel in the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> At least the Citadel's in Charleston. Um, all right. So, last one before we hit the break. This one, uh, we, we might have some things to say about this one. Six o'clock ESPN, number five, Alabama, traveling to the McDonald's capital of the world, Starkville, Mississippi, to take on the Bulldogs. Uh, the line is now minus 17, Bama, totals at 58. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and lock in the over here and still leery about the spread just because maybe Mike Leach and the offense get a little spunky and get something stupid at the end. But I think this is just a pissed off Nick Saban team that is going to take out all their frustrations. They've been told how much they suck all week in practice. And I think that this is a definite get right game the tide here in Mississippi State. They have a good defense, but the offense is just not going to be able to do. I think maybe they're cute early on, but just the Jimmys and Joes that Alabama have are going to figure it out, and I I love the over here, so I'm locking it in over 58. Uh, You talk about a game that ESPN's got to be kicking themselves for picking Alabama Versus MSU, the 17-point spread. You got a, what, two-and-a-half-point spread in Knoxville. They're checkering the stadium, 102,000. Like, that's the game that's on SEC Network. I, maybe they just prefer Alabama. That's fine. But it just feels it feels backwards that, that those two games are on what they're on. But I don't know about the over here. I, I feel like Alabama, at some point, the defense has got to, to bow back up I, I and show kind of what they did against Ole Miss. I mean, and maybe maybe your thought is is that Alabama is going to run it up into the mid forties or fifties, which is honestly fair uh, because you know they the offense wasn't great last week. They want to kind of come out and prove something, but I, I would I would probably lay the points just because I, I don't really think Ooh. that that you know I, I don't really think that that what Mike Leach wants to do on offense is conducive to to winning against or to to scoring a lot of points against Alabama. I just think. You know, we teams know how to, if they want, to shut down MSU's passing attack. It's to you know to play a certain style to really sit to to to, you know. I mean, we we saw what Washington did to Washington State all those years. I think if Alabama wants to do that, they've got the athletes. Ole Miss probably doesn't have the athletes. Texas A and M apparently didn't have the athletes, but but even Arkansas was able to do it. So I, I just think that Alabama is going to come out show out a little bit. I don't see. I really don't see MSU breaking 13 in this. So all, all Alabama's got to do is break 30, and they're, they're covering. Austin, do you want to go? Yeah, I, I'm glad so far nobody has thrown out the, like, Bama's going to be pissed and take it out on state angle. Because, again, I just don't really buy much of that. Like, if Alabama <laughs> covers against state, they're it's just because they're the better team, right? Like, uh, I think Saban is as motivated to win this game as he was to win the A&M game. It's cause it's, no, it's just oh, so you, know, you know they're fired up to go to Octobah County. Yeah, exactly. No, that, it's just yeah. – what I do think is interesting prove, is, you know, is what Vegas is doing with, with Bama here. 
because so what was it 17 is that right mm-hmm. so do y'all remember what they were against florida it's like been 14, 14 15, 15, 17. I don't think Vegas knows what to do with Bama. I think they just keep throwing out a 17 and thinking, shit, we don't know. Like, keep it under three touchdowns and more than two, and maybe that'll be right. Like, I think Vegas is as confused by this Bama team as we are. They have all the pieces. They they appear to be elite at times, and then other times they just fall asleep at the wheel like they did last week against AM, who, as lest we forget, who State beat at Texas A&M just two weeks ago. I'm not making a transitive property argument here. Just saying, states off a buy. The number is really confusing given that Bama was 17 at A&M last week and lost. State beat A&M, and now Bama is 17 at state. I, I think Vegas is a little confused. If they're confused, God, I don't want anything to do with it, but – I wouldn't be surprised if State hangs here for much longer than people expect. I don't think they ever threatened to win outright, but State's defense is not bad at all, and they're going to have much more success against Bama than Ole Miss's did. I don't think they will be as successful as A&M's was, but A&M established the blueprint here against Young. You send pressure, you get him off his mark, you confuse him, and force him to do what he's inclined to do anyway, which is check down to a back or a receiver like you know four or five yards down downfield and make that play in the open field you stand a chance here if state can i'm not saying state can do that but if they can do that i think they can hang around now i may be dead ass wrong we may be laughing about this take come next week but i'm inclined to take the points i'm not going to bet real dollars here but i think give me the 17 but y'all seen y'all seen what leach and mullen honestly both like to do at msu they loved covering covering spreads. Exactly. They didn't care they against better teams, excuse me. They don't care much about winning, but they love to cover a spread. I mean, they can be down uh, earlier in the season, I guess they were playing LSU and they were down multiple scores. There were 6 minutes left and they were still in that dink and dunk 5 5 yard offense. They have, you know, no issue covering spreads if given the opportunity and if they're down, you know, 20 points late against Alabama, I could see them very much going, you know, taking that six-minute drive on 16 plays and going down the field and scoring seven. That's a good point. I mean, they Mullen did the same thing. How many – two or three different times he played against Alabama. Oh, he literally and, played for the cover that one year. So blatant. It was with Dak. At yeah, they were, like, they were like running the ball with like 27 seconds on the clock exactly. at like the four-yard line, like r- literally running up the gut. Yeah. Just, and I think it was down 13. It was just to get within one score. All right. Is it my go yet? Yeah, um, fire away. Th- this, this game has one of two outcomes to me. Either Austin is right, and, and which he basically said what I was going to is I was going to, I am taking the points with Mississippi State, or Alabama is going to win like 52 to seven. I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's, there are really two outcomes here. Alabama is either going to blow Mississippi State out or it's going to finish like 34 24, and Alabama is going to have one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know which one which one that's going to be. Look, what I do know is I agree with Nick and that Mike Leach offense is they're not really conducive to, or at least this one in particular is not going really conducive to you know really wearing Alabama out. I mean that's it's not going to be. It's hard to sustain long drives against Alabama. You kind of have to beat them with big plays. Look back at when Ole Miss beat them. Look back at when you know LSU beat them in nineteen. You know, or even A and M. A and M did a little bit of a better job this last time, but A and M has 
I mean, they've recruited better than Mississippi State. Let's be, you know, let's sure. be real. They're they're as good as State is on defense. A and M is better right. on defense than Mississippi State. Uh, that said, and you know, I think seventeen's a lot of points here. I think we have a little bit of fool's gold about Alabama from the Ole Miss game. That was a Austin during that game since the Texans said this is the perfect storm storm of worst starts we could have had. And you know, I'm not saying you could go back and make the outcome of that game different, but if Ole Miss, you know, let's say takes points early or keeps it within a score, and it, let's say it's 14 to six and a half, maybe the final is a little bit closer than Alabama jumping out. 35 to nothing in the first half or whatever that was. I, I don't I don't remember and don't care. They blew Ole Miss out. I just think we're we're giving them a little bit too much credit for that game. They're not quite what they were a year ago. I mean, they, they, there is no Devontae Smith. There is no Mac Jones. You know, they're coming off a loss, and, yeah, you know, we could do the – they're going to be pissed off or whatever if we wanted to. The reality is, is it's not it's not – easy to get up for a game against an opponent not named whoever LSU to, you know, a natural rival, Auburn, Georgia, somebody like that. And let's say go to Mississippi state. I mean, I think that they could sleepwalk to, you know, a seven to 10 point win would not shock me at all. And, and Will Rogers has some sneaky good stats this year, guys. Mm. I mean, he's thrown 14 touchdowns and two picks. It's not like he's, you said get up for a name opponent. I would argue this year, that Saban and Bama had Ole Miss circled. Like, we, they were, did. I we were their I big Oh, that's exactly right. And, and we talked about that after that week. I was like, you know, going to the A&M game, I'm like, well, everybody across the country had hyped that game up because everybody yeah. assumed that we were the team that could beat them. That's and right. then if we didn't, then they would go undefeated until they played Georgia. And so it got built up to be this almost game of the year type deal for whether that's recency bias with how we played them last year or the back-to-back wins in 14 and 15, maybe they just think we have some kind of kryptonite over Alabama or as if the 62-point wins didn't didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. saving Kiffin, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. We have a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, I think I think Alabama got up for Ole Miss, and then they – just like you said, and then they went to College Station. After, you know, I, I really think that this could be one of two outcomes. They're going to either blow out Mississippi State, and I'm going to be wrong, which is very possible. They do this – crap like that every single year or they're going to go over there and squeak one out. I don't think they cover by 18. Watch mm-hmm. the final be 32-14 now. <laughs> but I, I don't think they cover by, you know, by point. I really don't. All right. Hell of a first segment. We're Sorry, take a break. I, I got long-winded that segment. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk on this Tennessee and the rest of the slate in week seven. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion. To remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? 
All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today.
And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion Legal Gambling Council, Week 7. All right, we've run through the SEC final game in the conference that we are going to touch on, 630 SEC Network. It's going to be a beaut in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville in the Smokies. I think uh, around kick, it's going to be low 60s, high 50s. It's just going to be absolute chef's kiss. Um if you had asked me to talk about this game right after Ole Miss beat Arkansas, I would have uh, been pretty doom and gloom. Um, really kind of flipped the switch here, got a complete 180. I, uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be able to silence a sellout crowd in Neyland Stadium for the first time in four years. I think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage with Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish. They're going to run the football. Um, I actually liked what Ole Miss did on the offensive line a week ago. Um, Jordan Rhodes, Cedric Melton were actually better than I thought they'd be. Um, I think this is just going to be another statement game for Matt Corral in his march to New York to uh, make his case for the Heisman. I think Snoop Connor is going to continue to run the football well and maybe start his own campaign for all SEC. Um, I think the defense is going to make a couple more plays. And I look for the Ole Miss defense to actually do some things in this one. The balls are last in the conference and sacks allowed. Their offensive line is abysmal. Um, Hendon Hooker's good, but I don't think he can really go toe-to-toe with Matt Corral. And he's got good enough wheels to move around, but I think Ole Miss is going to get to him, force some bad throws, get some stops. And we all know what Matt Corral does when you give him the football I like Ole Miss in this game. I, I, I like the points here uh, in terms of laying them. Um, it's not a lot, but um, the lines moved around quite a bit. Um, I think it's sitting at two and a half right now. I like to lay the points here. Um, it, it's bizarre to say I like the under in this game, but the total is at 83. I'm looking at something like a 44-31 type win for Ole Miss. Um, I just – I believe in what the offense has been able to do. Uh, Matt Corral has really shown a maturity this year of just really going through progressions, taking what the defense gives him. Um, people have dropped eight, dropped seven, brought pressure. It hasn't really bothered him. So I, I trust the best player in the country to make plays on the road. And, um, yeah, I like Ole Miss here. I lay the two and a half, lay the two and a half and um, – take the under here. I mean, I just feel like you got to take the under on principle, and I get it. Last week would have been well over. But, I mean, I suppose if you if you shave 10 points off of each team from last week's game, then it's right on the number. And I just – I mean, looking at it, open to 85 and a half. It's down anywhere from 82 to 83. That's just a ton of points. I mean, one of the highest overs I've seen. I think it's the 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 highest total in SEC history. Uh, so, I mean, I'd probably take the under on, on you know, principle. But, man, I, I hate the line. I don't know about you guys, but at two and a half, I don't anticipate it being a one- or two-point game. I know last week's was, but, it, you know, I think it's right on that three. Ole Miss could win right at three points or something like that. I just the lines, the lines really sharp for me. I'm, I'm worried about what Tennessee does, though. I mean, I think that they're 
I, I understand they're they're without their best running back, their starting running back, but I mean I've I've seen what Ole Miss can do up front defensively, and I'm I'm not sure that it matters, you know, if if RB one is out there or RB two or three or four or five. I mean, if a human collegiate football player in the SEC is running, I expect we'll have problems. I mean, you know, whether or not he's their best or their second best, I just think that I think there's going to be issues. So I, I think that helps for the under, though. I mean, last week's game, you know, and this is coming from a, a moron who took the under of last week's game, you know, which which was a, a bad, bad, bad bet. It was a pretty slow game, especially to the first quarter and a half, but really even midway through the third quarter. I mean, the, the points kind of came late. And, and I think Tennessee is going to want to do something similar in terms of keeping the ball on the ground. Which I think really, like I said, lends towards the over. I mean, lends towards the under. But I don't know. I I just this is such a pivotal game for Ole Miss. I said the same thing last week, and it really is all pretty much all five games in the month of October were really big for Ole Miss, and and this is another one. So I I would probably lay the points here. I think Ole Miss is just a little bit better offensively than what Tennessee has seen. I mean, they've looked really impressive, you know, in their last couple of weeks without playing anyone whatsoever. So I, I think that probably bites them a little bit. I don't think Tennessee's as good as Arkansas. Uh, certainly not. So, yeah, I'd, I'd lay the points, but I don't love kind of the matchup, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you oh, on I'll the matchup. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on the, the matchup point there, Nick. I, you know, they look a lot like we do offensively. They're going to go tempo. They're going to run the uh, sort of Art Browse, Baylor tree. Um uh, approach as far as as what Hypo wants to do, putting wide receivers out of the hashes, spreading you out, pounding you with inside run. Once uh, once um, you're sort of looking into the backfield and and focusing on the passing game. Um, now, obviously, significant difference in quarterback play, right? Like I, Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the conference, best quarterback in the country. He's much better than Hooker, but Hooker has been playing really well for, for Tennessee lately. They finally made the switch from Milton to Hooker. Unfortunately, they figured that out just in time uh, to play us because I think Hooker is the much better quarterback. Um, Nick mentioned Tennessee being without their starting running back. I think that's actually pretty critical here. He's averaging 6.6 a carry. He has 482 yards already this season. I think he was the number one Juco back in the country last year. Zach can correct me if I'm wrong there, but so him being out is a big piece, and notably last week, Ole Miss was without a few defensive players. I think that was for disciplinary reasons. I don't think that there are any long-term injuries or anything there. So hopefully we get some guys back on that side of the ball. Jake Springer is expected to be back. Right, exactly. I think he's a huge piece to the puzzle here. The other thing we've got to do uh, – let's talk about Ole Miss for a second. We've got to clean up the penalties. We're second or first in the country in penalty yards a game. Like two huge. That's that two weeks ago on the show. Yeah, two We're huge, penalized all the time. Huge penalties last week against Arkansas kept Arkansas in that game late. You know, we had the the ineligible receiver downfield, the horse collar tackle, both of which at the time looked like they may have been the difference in the ball game. Um, now, fortunately for us, they weren't. But we've got to clean some of that stuff up. Just, just I'm not saying be perfect, but you got to cut it down by like 10, 15 percent. Like, let's get two less penalties a game going forward, maybe. Um, having said all that, like I guess my point there is, I don't think Ole Miss has played a perfect game yet this year. Uh -huh. 
either offensively or defensively. Like, I, I think we have our best game in front of us yet. It would be great to have that um, Saturday night in Knoxville. The other thing I'll point out here from a line perspective, again, Vegas, they're much better than we are. But here's the thing. Tennessee opened just two short weeks ago as a two-point dog on the road against Mizzou. Mm -hmm. How do they go from a two-point dog in two weeks to a three-point dog to Ole Miss? I don't see how you get there from a line perspective. Now, that could be really bad for Ole Miss, or it could be really good, and Vegas could just have been caught up in the back-to-back performances against really bad opponents that we've seen from Tennessee over the last two weeks. I hope it's the latter. Um, I think it's going to be a track meet, but I'm with you all. It can't, you can't bet over 83. Um, I think there's a chance that as the game wears on and we fill each other out, both teams may go to the run a little bit to give their defenses a break because they're probably both going to be gassed. We are not very deep on defense, but neither is Tennessee. I mean, they lost dudes in the transfer portal. They're not a very deep team either. Their run defense is a little bit. Their best linebackers are converted running back. Yeah, exactly. So their run defense is a little better than ours, but I don't think they've seen a rushing attack like ours either. So I think it's going to be closer than we would prefer as Ole Miss fans. I think it's going to be pretty close to that number, but I expect us to go get one on the road. Um, Let's call it 42-38, Rebs. Let's talk about some puckered buttholes during that game. And that's Um, the under two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's right if, on both lines. Hey, if y'all need if y'all need a church, y'all can go find one. <laughs> all right. So so I'm gonna be a little bit of a wet blanket here. Um, right, here we fucking got ten- <laughs> Tennessee is you know they're it's a long it's been a long time since you know June or July or whenever those players were like opting out and transferring and everybody was laughing and like oh my gosh are they even going to have a team and this and that listen had like 12 against Missouri arrested. they were they were two point dogs you said Austin That's it, right, the, yeah. the concerning thing for me with Tennessee is not that they're beating bad opponents but against Missouri for example they were up 45 to 10 at halftime I mean that's that's loud. No matter if you're playing against air, 45 points is a lot in the first half. Against South Carolina, they were up 38 to 7 at halftime. I mean, they're they're not like throwing in 21 points in the fourth quarter to get to 62 or to get to 45. These guys are like racing out ahead so far that the subs are playing in the third quarter. I mean, they've had back-to-back weeks of 2016 Ole Miss versus Georgia. It coming into this game. There's a reason that they're selling it out. They're playing very good. Now, it might be a lot of that running back, like you said, and their fans are really been out of shape on Twitter if what that reporter says is true and he's not going to play. Now, I don't I don't know that I believe that, and I'm a little bit with Nick. Like, as long as they got a warm-blooded body with a pulse there, the guy's going to get four and a half yards of carry against us. I mean, we're, this is not Louisville we're playing against here. Like, the, I, I don't think that they're, like, a, a great team by chance. But, I mean, winning on the road in the SEC is hard anyway. I mean, in 2013, we went to Vandy. Now, they had James Franklin, but it took that Jeff Scott, like, miracle run at the end to win. I mean, it, you can kind of count on one or two hands the road wins we've had in the SEC over the last five and ten years. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. 
at, at a place not named Kentucky or Vanderbilt. I, I mean, it, our, we could go through them. We blew out A&M a few years ago in College Station. I think that was the year we were number three in the country. You know, we week, blew out. a week after beating Bama. Mm-hmm. Week after beating Bama. We go there and, in the same uniform that we're wearing against Tennessee, Sands and Stripes, and um, blew out a and I, I, I want to say we won, we won a, once or twice in, at Vandy since then. We've not won in the state of Alabama. We won in 15 at Alabama. Uh, we've won in Starkville. Don't think we've won at Arkansas. I mean, the point point being here is road SEC wins don't come very often, and and I I don't like doing the history thing that much. But there is something to it. I mean, we haven't won at Tennessee since what eighty three. I I think I think my parents were in high school. I know they were at least at Ole Miss at that time. And and point being, I mean, Austin, were you even alive in eighty three? Depends on the month, bro. <laughs> we'll see. Fall of '83. I mean, point being is, man, it's going to be hard. I'm not saying we can't do it. If you've got a Heisman Trophy candidate, you need to be able to go to a four and two opponent who's lost at home to Pitt and win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to be yeah. able to do that. That should be a winnable game, and Ole Miss should come out win. And I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win. But if we do, it's going. It's not going to be. I, we're not going to roll in there and be up 28 to three. This is not going to happen. I mean, they they just put up too many. I mean, this is just too many points. They're up 28 to 35 to nothing, 38 to 7. Like, this is just – they beat Tennessee Tech 56 to nothing. I mean, they're they're throwing points up in bunches. Josh Heupel may not be that bad of a coach. And I agree with you, Austin. Hannah Hooker's pretty good. I mean, yeah, 17 – I mean, he's – he you know, he's – what, 13 touchdowns, one pitch? Yeah. I mean, that is, it's not a bad player. And if you combine that with a guy who averages six and a half yards a carry – You've got a good offense. I don't care who you're playing against. I mean, now the guy that it, the guy that averages six and a half is not playing. Oh, sure, sure. But like now, point being, right? I I think that would be a bigger deal if our defense was better. No offense to them. Let me let me throw you this. Now that I've thought about it, is Tennessee a better Louisville? Similar quarterback. Like Malik, Malik Cunningham, Hinton Hooker, a lot of similarities. Um, they probably beat Louisville forty-five to twenty-eight. So, like so here's my other thing that I that I I wanted to mention. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. My thing that I want to mention. This is a huge game. I mentioned it's the first sellout in four years. I, I don't think the Kiffin revenge thing is that big of a deal. I, I think if you gave – if you really sat down Tennessee fans and made them talk serious, they would say that they don't really care about Kiffin. They're not mad at him. They get it. Whatever. This has a potential for this game to possibly be a little too big for Tennessee at this moment. It's year one of Hypel. I can see that. They're winning – and look, you win your clunkers. You beat bad teams. Like that's – I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee's necessarily terrible. I don't think they're – I don't think they're good. Could this game – could this moment be too big for them? Ole Miss gets I mean, out there, score some points, put some pressure on them. You feel that anxiety inside the stadium. Also, you got to think, looking at their second-half production, 
they have really either run out of gas or have just not really found anything offensively in the second half. They've scored zero points against Florida in the second half, which Florida's a good defensive team. They scored 17 in the second half against Missouri, who, as we've already touched on, is just absolutely abysmal. They only scored seven points on South Carolina in the second half. That's not going to fly against Ole Miss. An offense that's number two in the country, has the best player in the country playing quarterback, and has found a running game that is as potent as anyone in the country. I think that this has a potential to almost be – the the britches might be a little too big for Tennessee at this moment. Uh Now, I think Heupel could potentially get them going. The offense is there. They're always going to recruit at a decent level because of Tennessee and the booster network. I think with the familiarity that Levy has with Heifel, I'm sure he's helping the defense out a lot this week with what they're going to throw at him. I, that's kind of why my score was where it's at, where I think Ole Miss kind of runs away with it late, where maybe Tennessee just kind of runs out of gas. And I, not to take anything away from Hooker, but, I mean, he's done this against some bad teams. And, yeah. Ben, you mentioned the pit game. As an look, this is an Ole Miss podcast, but as an objective college football fan, if Kenny Pickett is lighting up this defense, what do you think Matt Corral is going to do? That's fair. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree. Okay, let me let me say something. I know you want to talk, Nick. I'm going to say something quickly, but to kind of counter what I just said, and this is going to be very short. Ole Miss is eight and two in our last ten, and the mm-hmm. two losses are to LSU without with Corral throwing how many interceptions? Five, six, seven, something like that, like a ton. And then and we mo- should have won that game. And, and then – and we still should have won. And then the Alabama game, which is fluky. Uh, we're 8-2 we're and two otherwise. Well, I said that's really good. So, I mean, I, I expect Ole Miss to go win. I just – I mean, Tennessee's playing really good if they're up that much in the first half in their last two opponents against SEC teams. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, on, on Hooker, it, we've got to – uh, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways. We got to bring pressure up front. Uh, we've honestly, when we brought it last week, I think we brought pressure twice, and mm-hmm. both times had a successful play. Yeah, we were effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I get it. That's a very small sample size. We had seventy-seven crap plays and two good ones, whatever. But you got to you got to try it more often. I, I mean, because how has DJ Durkin made it to this level? I mean, let's I, just be real. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I truly don't, and I'm not. And I'm not going to get into to, to like the actual off the field stuff that was, I guess, on the field partially that happened in Maryland. Just from a, a strictly like defensive coach, I don't even coach. think about that when I think about Durkin. I, don't I think either. about how terrible he is on the field. I don't understand. I feel like we just we're just banging our head against the wall, hoping that it stops hurting on the 800th time, and it still hurts. And then we finally stop banging it against the wall there, and we we get a sack. Like I think we blitzed one time last week and we got a sack on that one play and it was our only sack of the game. And I get it. If it was, if it was so simple, you, you just blitz it every play and you get a sack every play. I mean, it would, that's all you'd have to do, but we've got to do something a little bit more. Cause I'm afraid that he'll just pick us apart. And, and, and with his legs, I've seen chance Campbell and I really like chance Campbell. And I like what he's done for the defense. I really think he's kind of changed the tenor of the defense, but he's not going to walk Hendon hooker down. I mean, he's not going to, He's not quite there from a speed perspective. And so, you know, if, if we're expecting that to be like our saving grace, I'm afraid that, you know, Hooker will will do on the ground what Jefferson did on the ground last week. 
which was set records. So I just anytime defenses are are setting a new SEC record in every X, y, week. Or Z, yeah, every it's week. Like, this is two yeah, years in a row. Do something different, and, and it's like creative stuff. It's like LSU set a passing record, and South Carolina set a rushing record, and last week Jefferson set a passing and rushing record. I'm at the you know, the passing and rushing a quarterback record, record. combination, a total yeah. offense record. It's, it's always something. Alabama so. set the total offense record, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, it's, you, Two years yeah, in a row, I, I get it. I'm not saying that we have great players on defense. It's not, Certainly but not. like, but they're better than what Vanderbilt has. And those teams aren't setting sec records against them. Yeah. Right. And, and part of it, I think is our offense is asking the, those questions like Vanderbilt's offense is not asking, uh, you know, Alabama to 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 set records against them. Our offense is requiring those other offenses to, oh, I, to be I that don't good. Disagree. The, I don't that, disagree. That's fair, but again, we got to do something. And so, we just let's bring some pressure. If nothing else, we get our defense off the field quicker, and we get Tennessee's defense back out there, and we can try and score more points. I, I guess that's what I've, you know, when I'm watching us get paper cutted to death. Sometimes I'm thinking like. I'd rather just give up the touchdown right now and let's get the offense back out there. At least their defense is going to tire out, which – Give I up the touchdown for the chance of causing a turnover and, and maybe scoring right. on defense. Sell out sometimes, exactly. I, I think it was obvious last week Arkansas's defense wore down. Yeah, And I think right. you're going to have to do that against – I mean, you, Zach, you talked about a, a thin Tennessee defense. It's a very thin Tennessee defense with – I'm not sure who the defensive coordinator is, but he's not as good as Barry Odom. And I, and I don't think they've honestly got as much talent as Arkansas does defensively. So, yeah, wear them down. Hey, if we have to have a 17-possession game and we have to win it 76-70, to 70, hey, that's a cover, you know? Yeah, I mean, they, y'all are making arguments for sending pressure or making a change to the 3-2-6. At this point, I think the burden of proof is on Durkin or anybody else who's advocating for the status quo because mm-hmm. it's clearly not working. I mean, we have now a large enough sample size to say, this ain't going to cut it, man. This ain't it. Like, it's not it's not happening. We can't just sit back in the 3-2-6 and not bring pressure and either get picked apart um, by a competent passer or make a below-average passer look competent or – let teams run, you know, seven, eight yards a pop. Like it's something's got to give here. Yeah, I, that that's exactly right. I mean, the burden of proof. I mean, I, I said last week, there's not physically enough pounds on the field on our defense to stop yeah. teams running the ball. But when you've got, you know, five people out there that weigh more than 217, yeah. it, it's not, you're not large enough to stop what, that you know, and I mean, how how many how many offensive linemen does a team play? Five, and we've got five humans that can tackle, you know, a running a running back, and they're all getting blocked by a lineman. Yeah, and, and like Durkin I, is trying to out scheme the laws of physics at this point. Yeah, like that's, that's not going to happen. I think Austin. I think you may have said it last week when Arkansas can literally shift and reset the offensive line five yards down the field. It's impossible to stop them. And they, every snap they did it every snap every time. Well, and that's why I think that's part of why I think the Alabama game might be a little bit of fool's gold in terms of Alabama. Not saying that they're still not possibly the best team in the country and and definitely the most talented. They were doing that as well. It's like yeah. it's like Durkin is. We play prevent defense. What that's our base. Used to that's call that's it. our base defense. The whole game. It's like yeah. okay, just please mess up. Well, I mean, guys, I'm 32 years old. 
and out of shape. But if I can stand back there with no pass rush, yeah. I can find open receivers right now. I mean, K.J. Jefferson last week missed a wide-open guy in the end zone that my 56-year-old dad could have made that throw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like 15 yards downfield. So, I mean, it's not – that, and that's the even more frustrating thing is, is like we're rushing three – but we allow him so much time or whoever the quarterback is to stand back there that we can't cover him long enough. So right. it's like counterintuitive all the way around. Mm-hmm. It's like not only are we not getting pass rushed, but we're not covering the receiver either. Because it's impossible and, to cover so, a dude for 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, who could – Deion Sanders couldn't. Yeah, you, exactly. you can't. You can't. It can't be done. I can't right, believe go we, go we, we talked for three three <laughs> hours before we got to that. But, I mean, it just had to be said. It is what yeah. it is. I think uh, this week you're going to see – I think you're going to see how big of a difference Jake Springer makes. I think it allows Otis Reese to play his natural position. You talk about bringing pressure. I mean, Springer was as active as anyone in that Louisville game. He was all over the place. I think they're going to have to really disrupt what – Hendon Hooker does and just kind of get him off platform and, and yeah, I mean, you can't let him sit back there, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I look, I, I'll be there in person. I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think Ole Miss matches up well against this Tennessee defense. That's reeling at some key spots. Uh, I really don't think that their defense can really stack up against this Ole Miss offense. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I again, I think the run game is really going to be crucial. I think they're going to really try to establish it early. I mean, that's what they always want to do. They they want to run to set up the pass. I, I think this game kind of offensively unfolds like last week did, where they really just pounded the run, and then Tennessee's going to creep up and get their eyes in the backfield, and then Matt Corral's going to make them pay. Um, all right, so we've got a lot of locks. Austin has zero. Nick and I have one apiece. Ben is already done. Ben came out the gates firing. Um, let's go ahead and get these locks in here, and we can close up shop. I'm going to go ahead and slap this one on here now. I'm going to take Army plus 14 against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. this. Um, it, it's just going to be, I mean, you want to talk about slamming your head up against the wall. That's just all this game is going to be. It's going to be army running the football against Jim Leonard's defense, stopping the run. Um, Wisconsin probably wins the game, but I love army covering the 14 here. With a total this low, it's hard to lay two scores. Was it like 39 right now? Yeah. 39. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy low. I got it 38 and a half. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so. like it. All right, Austin, give us one. All right, let's go to BYU and Baylor. Uh, BYU, Back to the well. Yeah, BYU opened the year by beating Arizona, um, Arizona State, and another Pac-12 team. I'm drawing a blank right now. Y'all, Utah. And then – Last week against Boise, they turned the ball over four times and lose straight up. And suddenly now Baylor is six points better than BYU. This makes no sense to me. Give me BYU catching six points. They opened as a one-point fave. The line Mm -hmm. crossed the zero, and now they're six-point dogs. I don't understand that at all. Give me the Cougs. Love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. All right. I 
am going back to the well, not exactly going back to Massachusetts, Connecticut, but I am going to some Mac football. And it's a game that I quite, I quite honestly don't understand. I mean, Frank Solich retired from Ohio, and they have been absolute garbage this season. They're one in five. They did get a win over Akron, who the next week did beat the team that I'm picking here, Buffalo. So I, I, I acknowledge the oddity of that. However, they're one in five. They were uncompetitive against Syracuse. They lost to Duquesne, not exactly a powerhouse oh out of God. the FCS. They got destroyed by Louisiana, destroyed by a bad Northwestern team. They've lost to Central Michigan. And this Buffalo team, I just don't think is all that bad. Now, they didn't play that great against Nebraska, lost 28-3, but they, they played Coastal close. Played Coastal very close. They beat Old Dominion. They beat the crap out of Wagner. I don't think it's a bad Buffalo team. They played poorly against Kent State. They're back at home. They're laying eight, I believe. Again, let me pull that back up. It could be eight and a half. They are laying eight points, and I'm taking uh, University at Buffalo uh, minus eight here. I like it. Wait, who are you taking? Buffalo. Okay. The University at Buffalo, if you will. Is Khalil Max still there? Um, if if he would, they'd, they'd probably only be worth half a point. This is a stupid line. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, oh, God. I hate to do this. It goes against everything that I believe in from a fundamental standpoint, spiritual just any standpoint. Um, As a member of, can, of the remnant church of Nashville. Yeah, the uh, whoever the chick was that crashed her plane in Percy Priest, uh, the 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 weight loss cult. Um, yeah, uh, y'all can all laugh at me next week when this doesn't work. I'm gonna lay the points with Nebraska against Minnesota. Oh, I love that pick. I was thinking. I mean, I still think Nebraska is just absolute trash. But man, the Golden Gophers, uh, kids, if you ever also can trash. get out, if you can ever get out as a head coach and get a payday, do it. Do yes. not bet on yourself and hang around like PJ Fleck has. Um, the Gophers are bad. It, it, the games, at least in Minneapolis, in that gorgeous stadium that they have, it's phenomenal. Um, I like the Huskers here. Look, at we, we poke fun at them a lot, but they haven't been really that bad. Um, I like them here. Lay the, I mean, it's only four, so I'm going Nebraska minus four against Minnesota on the road. Mm-hmm. It's my final lock. It hurts oh, me that's to a, do that. That's a great one. Austin, you up? Yeah, let's stay out west. Give me Air Force catching whatever I can get against Boise. Oh, yeah. Um, is this related to my BYU pick from a second ago? Three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. Yeah, give me the three and a half. Um, I just don't think Boise is very good. And Air Force is playing for Mountain West title, right? They got one loss on the year. Mm -hmm. Really salty uh, on defense. More surprisingly salty on defense, actually. And offensively, they're putting up numbers. Um, I just trust them in this spot, triple option team against a Boise team that hasn't been great against the run. Air Force has everything to play for. I think Boise's win last week against BYU, as I said, was a little fraudulent. So uh, give me the points. Love this like, here. Yeah. Total, total yards per game, Air Force 423, Boise 370. Yeah. 
Passing per game, Air Force 82, rushing 341. Boise passing per game, 282, rushing 88. Yeah. Oof. Something's got to give in the worst way here, but I, I love this. Love the right. Falcons. All right, my final pick is going to be the Oklahoma Sooners with their new quarterback. I believe is it Caleb Williams? Is that correct? Yep. That's yep. correct. From yeah, Gonzaga. Caleb Williams. Oh, well, that, in, that in, makes in, a lot in, more in, sense. In DC. Yeah, yeah. Not, exactly. not spoken. <laughs> no, they would uh not not spoken. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. He came from a pretty good program then that he's come in and, and played well so quickly. I think they're gonna be galvanized by the fact that they just beat Texas off the backs of a, of a pretty strong comeback. They've got a new quarterback. TCU's not good. I, I don't really understand. I mean, talk about a, a coach that I think is is on the way out just because he just seems pissed off all the time. His defense is not very good. It's just always sweaty. He's always sweaty, and he's just – I just know how upset he is that these players are not getting exploited anymore. And – uh, I mean, the defense that they've got is bad. He's never had this bad of a defense out in TCU, and I think that Oklahoma is going to tear them up. I mean, I'm looking at yards allowed, Oklahoma 356 on the season average, TCU 429 on the season average. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking that Oklahoma is going to bust out for close to 500 this game. I really do. Mm. Line's 13 and a half. It's under that key number. That's big for me. I'm thinking I'm thinking a 20-point win for Oklahoma. Oof. All right. Austin, take us home. All right, last one for me. Let's go Arizona State, Utah total. I will go over. Do I have 51? Mm, let's see what I can get you. Uh, yeah, yeah, 51. 51, yeah. Over 51. Um, Arizona State's pretty damn good on both sides of the ball. Actually, sneaky good team out there in the Pac-12. Nobody ever watches their games because they're on too late. But um, they may win the Pac-12 this year, by the way. Yeah. Um, and Utah has been competent on offense ever since they made the change at quarterback. Last week, they put, what, 40 on USC. I had the over in that one. It went over comfortably thanks to Utah. USC didn't do much to help me out there. I think Utah does the same this week. Um, I don't have any doubt that both teams get into the low 30s, which goes over pretty easily. What do you think about the line? It's a pick I'm kind of surprised there. Yeah, I know. I just wonder if there's a little concern about altitude for Arizona State. Um, I don't know because uh, last be week against – chilly. Yeah, a little chilly. And uh, last week, that game against Stanford, Stanford left a ton of points on the field. That, that game should have been yeah. more competitive than it was. So while I think Arizona State could win the Pac-12, I also think Utah is much improved since week one. So I don't know. That's a that's a pretty nasty home field environment they've got there at altitude, and with a pretty raucous crowd. So I get the line. I mean, I, it makes sense for that to be a coin flip. I just think it's competitive throughout, and we easily go over fifty one. Mm. Play to win the game. All right, that's going to wrap up week seven. I feel good about these. I know we say that every week, but I feel good about these. Um, hell of a show, jam packed. Not the best slate, but we had a ton to discuss. I think the Ole Miss game is going to be another one that's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I mean, at this point, I mean, Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin are must-see TV. So um, stay locked in for that. 6.30 Central time uh, for the Rebels SEC Network. 
Stay locked in with RedCapRebellion.com. We'll have more stuff to preview the game as we head towards Saturday. Um, and then, like we always do, we'll be back next week for week eight to recap another slate of games and give you some uh, some some opportunities to win some money. Gentlemen, do we have any final thoughts before we sign off? Man, I'm tapped out. None here. All right. That's going to do it for week seven. Thank you, Davis McCord State Farm, LBs, Sola, and the rest of the sponsors for making it possible. Until next week, I'm Zach. That's Nick. That's Austin. That's Ben. The Legal Gambling Council is out. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.